now know who's going to be in the Stanley Cup final, but we still don't know who's going to be the general manager in Pittsburgh. Something's a little off with that. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates that I hope you'll take the time to check out. Golden Knights. Six stars, zero. Bruce Cassidy called it Vegas's best game of the playoffs to date. I don't think anybody would be in a position to dispute that, even though they didn't dress Teddy Bluger, Phil Kessel, which still kind of rubs me the wrong way. But we'll see. There's a series coming up as well. There's no GM. Heck, there's not really much of a trace of a GM. Occasionally, a report will pop up about Kyle Dubas, this or that, Matthew Darsh, this or that. Taylor Haas, our hockey writer at DK Pittsburgh Sports, reported last week that Dubas was in town. This was exactly a week ago, staying until well into the night at the Penguins practice facility to speak with Sidney Crosby and others. And then nothing And then the Memorial Day weekend comes along. Hope you had a good one. And nothing. And, you know, there's a couple of different ways to look at the GM search, the GM hiring process as it relates to time. One is, yes, you want slash need a GM in place. You're about to embark on a really, really, really important period for the team, even beyond the basics of building toward the draft the end of June, meeting with the scouts, figuring stuff out, getting the lay of the land, learning your roster, learning who they like for the draft, learning who your other scouts and analytics people like from an acquisition standpoint as free agents, and no, being another team's GM isn't that big of a head start. As John Sherholtz, the legendary old general manager of the Atlanta Braves, once famously spoke, the most important talent that you have to evaluate as a sports executive is your own. That's where the biggest mistakes get made. That's how you let Jared McCann walk away. You absolutely unequivocally have to know your own people better than anyone else does. And just coming in and asking some questions at the practice facility isn't going to do it. You do want slash need a GM in place. On the other hand, the position's so important that you don't want to get it wrong. And if you have someone that you like better than the rest, and I don't think we really have to wonder anymore as to whether or not the Boston people like Dubas the best. The next question in the pile is, to what extent does Dubas actually want this job? I've spoken with you before, and I got some blowback from some of you that I was not at all wild about Dubas's season-ending press conference in Toronto, the one that ultimately ended up costing him his job. Some of the erratic behavior that was exhibited then and then after that, by all accounts, 
out of Toronto and either asking for a raise or saying he's not sure whether he wants to come back, wouldn't want to be a GM somewhere else, and the next thing you know, he's in Pittsburgh. And Let's just say whatever it is that Dubas is thinking right now, presuming that this is now on him, because I don't have another way to read this. I really don't. Other than that they just said, here, take some time. Figure out if you want to do this. I wouldn't leave that excessively open-ended, okay? I wouldn't be saying to him, you know what? You just go ahead, you know, spend a couple weeks in Aruba, clear your head. No, you can't do that. Not just because of, you know, the team's need, but also because really if he's dragging it out, if he's taking forever to make up his mind, that is his answer. That is what you're risking adding to the operation. Someone who maybe doesn't even want to be doing this, but just kind of couldn't say no. I don't know, guys. I, I, I don't have a great feel about this. I really don't. I almost feel like if Dubas was hired, that he'd have to have the press conference of the ages to come in and convince people in Pittsburgh that he wants to do this, that he wants to do it here, and that he'll be able to put into it not just the time and the energy, but the heart and the soul that's necessary to excel. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not on that right now. When we come back, J1Q. Steve, who says, in the end, DK, Mario Lemieux didn't have to sell the team to anyone, so all of this ultimately falls on him, especially when you factor in the hiring of Ron Hextall and Brian Burke before abandoning ship, which also falls on his shoulders, not those of FSG. I'll never have anything but respect and admiration for Mario, as if he never was a Penguin in the first place, the team probably would have zero cups and more than likely would have moved a long, long time ago. But that doesn't make him any less responsible for where they are now either. Steve, I'm going to correct a couple of things first, at least, you know, from my perspective and my information doesn't mean that what I have to say at any given point is gospel, just sharing. Mario was not responsible for hiring Hextall. I've stressed this again and again and again. He was for adding Burke. He wasn't involved in the Hextall hiring process at all. That's not coming to you after the fact. That's what I heard at the time. Mario heard they were going to hire Hextall, had no issue with it, and said, hey, give Berkey a call. And they did. They gave Berkey a call. Berkey came in and, well, whatever. The rest is history. So setting that aside, The last resort of the frustrated fan of this particular franchise is Mario blaming. That's what I'm going to call this, okay? Mario blaming. When you've run out of everybody on the way up the ladder, even now that Mario owns, from what I understand, is less than 1% of the franchise. 
we're still engaged in Mario blaming. Mario is the only one who could come in tomorrow, snap his finger, and make everything okay. I've said that on this show. I've written it. I believe it. To that extent, I share your view. You're right about that. Mario could fix this. But under what obligation is he to do that? You're a fan, my friend. Your obligation and dedication and everything else to the franchise is limitless and has nothing to do with your profession, how you make money, anything. In his case, dude's given the better part of his life. He took a year. He took a really, 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 really big check and went and had fun with it. I don't hold that against him in any way. If anything, what the past year and change should have shown us is that all this time we thought he was just some sort of passive owner, you know, showing up for the games with Natalie and Pierre and everybody else up in the box having a good time, that there actually was work involved. He actually was doing stuff. He was in on the processes. He was that balance. He was that guy that Jim Rutherford answered to. And the only one, he and Ron Burkle. So what you're saying is that after he got bought out almost entirely, that he should have followed through. After Nobody does that. Nobody does that in any walk of life. The problems that this organization has right now, yes, ownership is part of it. Absentee ownership is a bigger part of it. All of them can and should be solved by the current people. And that's where the blame for anything that's gone wrong should be. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.